Thank you. Thank you, Mutu. Thank you for the organizers for the opportunity <coughs> to present at this really interesting event today. So I will, um, for further ado, um, <coughs> present this paper which is called so, uh, with my colleague uh, Mabel and also with Pumi from uh, University of Edinburgh. And his paper, as was mentioned already earlier, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 the one that's just there, that um, is about to come out uh, <laughs> higher education quarterly. So it's already online, in fact, so if you're interested. So I will reconnect with the topic of some of the presentations this morning, where we're about the diversity of uh, uh, knowledge exchange strategies. So we're going to deal with this uh, topic also using data from the UK, from HEPSIS. Uh, so I think it actually fits very well with some of the earlier papers. So the starting point of the paper is the kind of strong and growing uh, policy and academic interest, if you like, on um, universities becoming more entrepreneurial uh, within this growing and ever-expanding uh, third mission agenda, uh, which covers a number of, of issues, as, as we know. Yeah. Um, now, there is a part of the <coughs> literature that tends to portray the uh, entrepreneurial university as somehow kind of inevitable and homogeneous, this kind of isomorphic trend of universities all doing the same. Uh, but we kind of disagree with that, um, aligned with the other part of the literature that says, well, there is no one way to become <coughs> an entrepreneurial university. Universities are very diverse and therefore are going to present different, different profiles, engage with different, different portfolios of activities for different stakeholders are here the work uh, was earlier presented and the work uh, uh, of Erika Rossi talking about different stakeholder choices, universities working with different actors <coughs> and that determine, determining the, the, the profile of knowledge exchange. So we try to address a particular gap uh, which is that we don't really know how this diversity looks like. Uh, we don't quite understand how uh, universities differ in the evolution and heterogeneity of knowledge exchange. So this is something that we try to uh, kind of um, set light on in this, in this paper. There's a number of studies that uh, look at uh, this heterogeneous uh, profile of universities, but perhaps choose very narrow measures of knowledge exchange, maybe only focus on patterns and uh, commercialization activities, or perhaps they look at it over time, uh, or, or they perhaps they look at a broader range of activities, but only in cross-sectional um, uh, studies. So we try to look at the wide range of activities, uh, stakeholders, um, and over time. So we try to kind of understand how universities uh, are different uh, in the portfolios and how that changes over the years. So we acknowledge that uh, there is, if you like, a homogeneous pressure on universities to 
uh, behave in a more entrepreneurial uh, fashion. And yet universities are different, they have different capacities uh, and different incentives to, to, to follow that, mm -hmm. that pressure. So um, that's the, what we try to do in the paper. So these are our research questions. So in which ways have universities um, responded to these pressures? How they have responded in, 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 in a different way, uh, depending on the different uh, institutional profiles? Uh, and how that is, has changed over time. As I said, we try to understand the diversity in terms of stakeholder engagement activities and also, um, and also the, the geographical dimension. So or the way in which we try to explore this diversity is, as I mentioned, what is the breadth of knowledge exchange activities? What is the change in portfolio? So have they changed <coughs> the mix of things that they do? Do they do more or less, or do they do different things? <coughs> How does this differ according to different types of universities? Do they engage with different types of <coughs> stakeholders? Um, so do they engage more with small firms, private sector, large firms? Do they engage more at the regional level or less? And how does this pattern changes over time? What is the evolution of uh, interaction? So I will explain very briefly each of those elements um, before we move into the empirical part. So in terms of knowledge exchange, uh, we try to move away from this narrow conception of knowledge exchange. Knowledge exchange, as we know, is not just patents and licensing, is a broad uh, spectrum of activities. Of course, we are here constrained by the Hepsis definition, so, uh, you know, we... I'm not looking at you. So we we <laughs> she's going all right. <laughs> so we we try to you know we acknowledge that it is is not uh, a narrow set of activities and academics uh, and universities engage in a broad range of of, of uh, knowledge exchange and different types of universities we would expect that they will. Uh, Present a different portfolio um, of, of knowledge exchange uh, engagement in terms of the mix of activities. Um, so, research intensive, uh, many research shows that they, are, they, they engage in certain types of activities where newer universities um, engage in all the different types of activities. So I think that it was very captured very well in 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 uh, Federica uh, uh, and uh, presentation earlier. So in terms of uh, stakeholders and partners, again, we're constrained by uh, Hepsis data, and um, different universities will are likely to engage with different types of partners. Also, partners have different preferences of, for 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 engaging in universities. Uh, so. You, you would expect to have to find a strong heterogeneity uh, here as well. Then the geographical dimension. Um, this is something that we're very interested in. Uh, we know from the literature that the geographical engagement 
of universities is not something that is straightforward, that is simple, it depends on many variables. Uh, here we are only able to understand the share of engagement that comes from the region, you know, and we are able to see whether that changes over time in terms of uh, greater uh, um, activities within the region or less. And the literature tells us that different universities, uh, for, for instance, uh, newer universities are more likely to engage with the regional uh, uh, stakeholders, <coughs> whereas um, uh, more older universities are more research intensive engage tend to stay engage more globally. So different institutional profiles will uh, have a different mix, uh, a different different behavior. Um, also, over time, this uh, is likely to um, change and, and evolve in a kind of path-dependent way. So on the one hand, um, <laughs> universities uh, will engage in, in different activities and also with different stakeholders. Um, that will have an impact on, on the resources that they gather. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, stakeholders will have preferences for different universities. So this kind of evolves in a, in, in a kind of path-dependent way. So universities learn to, to engage in certain activities. Uh, they gain kind of legitimacy in, in certain areas. Uh, they develop these partners over time. So this is kind of uh, has a likely reinforcing re effect. Also, universities will adapt and change and react to the external environment in a quite a different way depending on the institutional profiles. So we expect to see over time uh, kind of a, um, possibly a greater diversification of university because of these effects, this kind of learning effects uh, and path-dependent effects and also resources and capabilities as, 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 as was mentioned earlier. So, um, we're choosing the uh, universities in England, and we're choosing the uh, HEPSIS uh, data uh, over the last 10 years. This is an interesting case because we know the universities in the UK and England are very heterogeneous for historical reasons. Uh, we also know that uh, third mission policy has been in the agenda for quite a number of years and there's been different instruments uh, in place <coughs> to support it. And there's been quite a lot of debate in terms of, okay, how do we acknowledge the heterogeneity of universities? Uh, how do you avoid one-size-fits-all policies? So how do you, do you uh, adapt the policies to um, this heterogeneity of how um, you uh, avoid uh, trying to do, <coughs> trying encouraging all universities to do the same as opposed to preying on their own strengths. So I leave it to Mabel to. Um, I will tell you about the, the, um, the quantitative part of the team. So, 
Um, which one is the one I should not? Okay, yeah. that's one. Yeah, perfect. So our starting point is that we have categorized universities in the UK in five groups, attending to two criteria. The first one is the historical development of universities. So we can distinguish between those universities that were born before 1992. That is what are called the old universities and the new universities, the, those ones that were born after uh, 1992. But apart from the historical development of the universities, we can also look at the research intensity of the institutions. So traditionally, we know the Russell Group uh, research intensity group of universities within old universities, and also we can uh, differentiate them from other old universities that are all the rest that uh, were born before 1992. And within the new group of universities, we will distinguish between those ones that are former polytechnics and other new institutions. But even within the Russell group, we can distinguish what we have called the top five, because these top five universities that are the Imperial Cambridge, Oxford, Manchester and the College of London have obtained and a disproportionate uh, funding from the quality research. So only these top five uh, universities uh, have captured 22% of this QR uh, funding. So we will see the evolution of these entrepreneurial universities in these five groups of institutions. As Elvira mentioned, uh, we use data from the HEPSI survey um, in six years, between 2003, 2004 and 2011, 2012. We have this as a final year because when we started this research, that was the last year including regional information in HEPSI, so that's the reason why we are a bit old in the data, unfortunately. And we are covering 107 universities, that means 82% of the total population of universities. We have excluded all arts and design universities because usually they have a lot of missing information, so it was a bit more difficult uh, to follow these institutions. We have tried to capture a wide range of uh, knowledge exchange activities. So we move from the traditional hard commercialization activities to capture as much as possible. We have information from contracts, patents, license, consultancy activities, facilities, uh, courses in professional development and spin-offs. What we have done with this is um, to... Um, do um, a factor analysis to see how can we group these activities and we find five groups. So we have called the first group of activities research-oriented activities and we have consultancy facilities training and spin-offs. And we will see the evolution of these five groups of activities in the five groups of universities. What can our results suggest? Well, uh, on the one hand, we can see that um, older universities, so Russell Group and other old universities, trying to stand out in terms of, if you cannot see here, research-oriented activities that contrast with all new universities where um, all the research-oriented activities appear uh, be be below other categories of activities. So we consider that um, um, all their universities trying to focus more on this kind of research-oriented activities. In the case of former polytechnics, they stand out the number of consultancy activities they do. So um, we consider that that's the main kind of activity they try to develop. Other new, and in case of the consultancy, this happens mainly after the economic crisis, so after 2007-2008 is when uh, consultancy activities increase in uh, former polytechnics. In the case of other new, they have a bit of mix of activities that they try to, um, <coughs> to use. 
why uh, it increases a lot the number of spin-offs they had had in the last two years of our study period. And other old universities that are those ones that are not Russell group within the older group, they have a really mix of activities. We couldn't identify exactly uh, what's the main activity they try to, um, to perform. In terms of the partner, in general terms, we have seen an increment in terms of the activities, uh, knowledge exchange activities, some 6%. Uh, but the main partner that have increasing the engagement with is the non-commercial partners with 8.5% um, as the annual growth rate. And again, if we see by type of uh, university, by these the five groups, we can see some difference. All of the five groups increase quite substanti substantially the uh, engagement with non-commercial partners. But it's a stands out in the case of the top five universities that they have increased the um, uh, engagement with large firms with non-SMEs. And in case of the form, in the case of the former polytechnics, it's uh, important how much the uh, engagement with SMEs uh, has happened in this period. Again, other old universities. Here looks that these uh, these two lines that are um, non. Uh, non-SMEs and non-commercial are higher, but if you see the scales, it's more or less the same in comparison to other ones. So in reality, the numbers here are not so much different, so we couldn't identify again with the main partners in this case. If we look at the evolution of the regional, uh, how much money are coming from the regions, here what we are capturing is the percentage of the money coming from the region divided by the total funding, the total income, sorry, of the university. If we see the absolutely numbers, there is an increment in terms of the money, the income received from the region. But when we see the relative numbers, we see that this, uh, there is a decrement. So the, um, the income coming from the region didn't grow as much as the total income. So that's why the difference. And in fact, the more, the, the highest decrement appears in the case of consultancy. Yeah, we are finished. Yes, we can move to the conclusions. Okay, so I'm the third of the team knowledge extent here. So just this is sort of your table summarizes what sort of Mabel sort of shows in the sort of graph. So this is not sort of static, but I mean over the years we kind of characterize sort of different sort of types of universities. So I'm not going to go into the detail of this, but you can see the sort of um, differentiation across the sort of types of universities and what sort of top partners and geography you can sort of you know, identify mm -hmm. through this. Right. Okay. So just sort of to finish off, what we found is the kind of missing temporal dimension of what the entrepreneur universities sort of, you know, represent over the years. And uh, so what we look at is quite sort of close to what um, Abit and uh, Federica started off by sort of, you know, saying there's a macro level and micro level and there's a sort of, you know, interaction between these. And one of the sort of, you know, limits of this paper is we look at the university level data only. So we couldn't really look at what individual academics actually do is a kind of aggregate of the university level we look at and what sort of project you know it, it, it sort of you know sort of academics involved in so what sort of evolutions are there in terms of exploration exploitation at the project level probably that's where you could see dynamics and departmental level which um, earlier sort of you know presentations sort of you know pointed out and also we need to look at the point of view from external partners as well. So we need to combine all this multi-level, multi-dimensional perspective, but we at least try to highlight from universities' perspective how these 
different types of activities and partners evolve over the time. And Mabel sort of pointed out the, the issue with the sort of regional engagement and particularly the changes with SMEs, but with the sort of data up until 2011-12, it's sort of hard to say what's the implication of the sort of financial crisis back in sort of you know, 2007 and 8 is kind of currently affecting the university. So we definitely need to, need to see the sort of, you know, following up of what has happened. So this is just sort of, you know, final presentation. So in probably one minute or so. So what can we say from this study? So the paper is available. So this is a bit of like a kind of continuing thought based on sort of, you know, on the paper itself. So so we kind of started with problematizing the sort of third mission entrepreneur university discourse being a sort of same sort of you know model applying and it could be a sort of useful thing for the managers perhaps to take up entrepreneur university model and do you know take points but also as LV was sort of you know kind of um, presentation included we we know that the allowed diversities and sort of you know knowledge exchange scope is broadening and we kind of recognize consultancies, CPDs, you know, kind of engagement with uh, facilities and all that. And HEPSIS is great because it's include all of that. So it's not a bad start, but what, what, what is a sort of, you know, better use of metrics? Can we compare internationally or do we know enough kind of, you know, differences in different places? And how do we capture different impacts? So one of the sort of issue we sort of, you know, thought would be important is the sort of knowledge exchange primarily driven by teaching and education and training, which hasn't been talked much. And I think earlier presentation today was probably geared towards more research-oriented um, knowledge exchange. And actually, part, Ma Marcus Parkman's sort of, you know, report on this sort of teaching education submission sort of, you know, impact is great, along with Sir John Goddard and Adrian Healy. So there are lots sort of, you know, a number of sort of works coming up in this area. So I think I, 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 we thought this is kind of, you know, interesting area to look at. For example, you know, looking at graduate startups, how do we capture the sort of, you know, impact? What are the kind of the right metrics? Is it about <laughs> the number of creation of the companies or is it more about the education of the students or is it more about the networks within the local entrepreneurs? So we could go on all these sort of, you know, discussions. And finally, the current sort of, you know, um, development with the CAF knowledge exchange framework. So it's, it's broadly a kind of great development, great direction to recognize the diversity, but is it enough? How does it make a difference in terms of the sort of policy and funding in the sort of English higher education just sort of based in, you know, based in Scotland? This is also interesting sort of, you know, um, space to look at. So I, oh, just one, totally, finally, a uh, good point from us is the kind of a point about the sort of places. And um, yeah, I think Mabel mentioned sort of early on the, the regional data was sort of stopped at some point, so we can't really capture the kind of regional engagement investing the same as way as it was possible in the kind of old hepsis data. And now all the sort of you know, labs and city you know, deals, and there are a number of sort of different things going on at the kind of sub-regional level. So I think that's, again, another sort of issue of how to capture um, impact and what other sort of right metrics. And also in terms of, you know, international linkages as well. I mean, we're not going to sort of go into break this sort of side of the story, but, you know, the, the place matters and there are different vulnerabilities and we can't really talk about the sort of places in the same way like London or Lancaster, Durham, York, Newcastle, or Manchester or Sheffield or you know, all of that or Cornwall. How do we capture all the diversity in the same sort of in a framework? I think that's sort of a remaining big issue and I think that's 
from us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much.